Today's reading is Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. It can be found on page 1014 of the Bibles next to your seats as well as on the screen. This is God's word. <clears throat> While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. The word of the Lord. Thank you. 
All right, is there anything coming out of this microphone? All right. So I'm on an airplane for the first time as a kid and <clears throat> glued to the window on takeoff. The whole thing was just absolutely outside of my experience and exhilarating and amazing. The plane slowly lifting off and very quickly the cars and the houses turning into little tiny dots, almost like I was looking down on a little play set of toy, toy houses and toy cars. And I was transfixed as we go through the first cloud, wondering if the plane's going to just be all covered in water. You know, what's going to happen? And then, oh, then, then the, the cart comes down the center aisle. Free food and free soda. And, I mean, back in the day. <clears throat> Before the airlines tightened their belt. It was amazing. I still have a, a deck of playing cards that say United Airlines on them from those days, again, before the airlines tightened their belt. <clears throat> and when our mind is blown or our paradigms are shifted, there's a sense that our whole being is pulsing with new energy and possibilities. I haven't looked into it, but I'm guessing that psychologists in lab coats somewhere are studying the body's chemical and hormonal reaction to eye-opening experiences. I bet that dopamine and serotonin are somehow involved. It's not surprising then that Jesus relied on shock value in so many of his transformative encounters with people and most of his teachings. Whether, his, whether it was his acceptance of a reviled prostitute or saying that he could forgive sins or the story of the prodigal son, or the one about the vineyard workers who were paid the same even though they had worked different amounts of time in the day. Paradigm-shifting experiences. It's also not surprising that the key word of Jesus' ministry and preaching was, it was talked about as him going around and saying, repent. Repent. Means like to completely abruptly change directions, like the the rug getting pulled out from under you, um, like a paradigm shift. You know, things can't be the same now because of the change that's happened. You have changed, and so things can't be the same anymore. Our story today from Acts 10 is a paradigm shifting event for the church. It's important to remember that um, after Jesus rose from the dead, we are given the stories of him passing on his game plan to his disciples. And the language is like this. You will be my witnesses. And then he goes through the geography and how they're going to be moving geographically. You, it'll be in Jerusalem, but it'll be in Ju Judea, and it'll be in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And he's, he's, we're told in another story that his game plan was passed on this way, that he said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The book of Acts, in its first nine, ch nine chapters, showcases an amazing spread of the gospel message. It seems to have a pretty clear emphasis on 
expansion, going. It's, it's heading out to those nations. And we feel like the disciples are doing a great job on the game plan, and we might not even notice that something very important really hasn't happened yet at all. The disciples and apostles haven't taken the gospel to new people who are not Jews. They've, gone, they've done great work in Jerusalem, Judea, a little bit into Samaria, but not the ends of the earth. It's not very obvious to us, but Jesus' game plan, as we get up to chapter 10, it's at a very, it's at a very serious roadblock. And it's not going to proceed. The gospel's not going to keep going through that roadblock without some divine intervention. Peter and the other Jewish Christians, they all knew that Jesus said the gospel would go out to the ends of the earth. They knew even about what we read about last week, the Ethiopian eunuch who was baptized on his way to Ethiopia. Yet they couldn't imagine the most obvious initial beginning step that it would take for the gospel to get to people different from them, that they would have to end up in those people's houses eating with them. And this is obvious because as you, the part we didn't get to read, just the, the few verses that kind of follow up what Karen did read. So this moves us past that the, the story of chapter 10 into chapter 11, and it goes like this. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. Obvious, right, that that would be the reaction, that they heard the word of God went to the Gentiles. No, but, but I mean, enter into it a little bit and, and think about it. The, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised and ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. And so we see what the mentality was before the whole incident of chapter 10 happened. All the associates of Peter and all those in this exciting movement of grace and inclusion and confession and forgiveness moving out into new people, all of these Jewish Christians were sure about one thing. You couldn't cross the threshold into the house of an uncircumcised Gentile. I mean, that was a given. And you certainly can't eat with them. And so we ask, uh, how were they imagining that their baptizing movement was going to spread to the Gentiles? What was their, how were they picturing it? What was the way that they were going to end up going to the nations if it was a given that they could never enter the homes of or eat with Gentiles? How did they picture it happening? And I don't, I don't have the answer. Perhaps they didn't give it much thought. Or perhaps they imagined the Gentiles miraculously coming into their homes and synagogues. Of course, exactly the opposite of that is what happens. God orchestrates an impressive rendezvous, but it isn't the Gentiles coming into Peter's house. It is Peter going to a Gentile's house. 
And we remember that Jesus commanded Peter and the twelve to go and make disciples, not wait and make disciples when they come to you. Right? And so the story of chapter 10 happens. It's pretty amazing. It's the entire chapter of, of Acts 10. There's a significant amount of detail given in a way that makes you think this is a, an, an incredibly important story and even kind of the way that it happens is important. First, God appears to a Gentile named Cornelius and tells him to send for Peter. Then the next day, as the, the servants of Cornelius are coming to go get Peter, Peter has a vision. And as well, the Holy Spirit is telling him to go with Cornelius' men when they come to his door. So both Cornelius and Peter had direct intervention from God in order for the meeting to happen. When Peter goes into Gentile country, he enters into the home of Cornelius, and he finds a large crowd. It's like a surprise party that he didn't know. Cornelius had invited all his friends and family, and they're all just kind of sitting there staring at Peter. Surprise. And so when Peter starts talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, as we read in the part that Karen just read, the Holy Spirit comes on them all, and they were speaking in tongues. And Peter says, surely no one can stand in their way of getting baptized with water. It's an amazing story. And so then they're all baptized, and Peter stays for a while. So two things stand out. One is the incredible capacity of Peter and the early church to have missed the obvious. For some reason, they couldn't see the barriers standing in the way. Sometimes parents have this, this experience um, not me, of course. My kids never do this, but I've heard from others' parents that this happens. That they're calling kids to the dinner table or to put on shoes in order to go and leave. And um, the child maybe acknowledges and says, okay, mom. And, and then nothing happens. They're just, they just don't do anything. They just stay there. They're not moving. Nothing's happening. You might even say a second time, all right, come on, it's, I said, it's dinner time, come to the, we'll go wash your hands. Okay, nothing. They just stay there. It sometimes seems like uh, they're just like Peter. They need a miracle. Because Peter and the apostles were told to go to the nations, and they seem to be theoretically on board, like they've said, okay, okay, Jesus, we're coming, we're going, but they're not moving. They need a miracle. And so do we. And so do we. It would be disingenuous, though, for me to say that the point of today is for me to tell you to examine the barriers you've built between you and other people and start taking them down. That's not what this passage is driving at. To be faithful to this passage, we have to get at how Peter needed God's intervention to break down the barriers. And it follows then that City Life Church needs God's intervention to break down barriers. And that each of us needs God's intervention to break down barriers. 
And so that's the second observation about this passage. The second thing that stands out is God's orchestration of the events. If we're really hearing this passage, our focus will be less on what we have to do and more on what God will enable us as a church to participate in. Because God is the great orchestrator of meetings. We do well to remember that our Google calendars haven't yet been synced with God's. That he has different stuff in there that aren't, it's not on ours. And we get to find out, you know, later today and tomorrow and on and on what that stuff is. Holy Spirit appointments. And that's really what, what we close with in this. That's the point of this passage. That's, that's what we go out with is the idea that there are people that you and I need to meet. And God will lead you and I to meet them. There are people you're not yet friends with, but you're going to be invited into their home. God will make it happen. There are people you'll invite into your home or meet up for at lunch or bring over some food or dessert when they're going through something or you'll join their book club. God will make it happen. And when that time comes, perhaps you and I will have your, our eyes open. We, perhaps we will have been praying. Perhaps we will be more and more looking for a God who has appointments that we don't yet know about. Perhaps we'll be waiting and eager for the Holy Spirit to lead us into new places and to cross barriers that we, quite frankly, don't really know how to cross um, and are too short-sighted to be able to figure out on our own. Let's pray. Our God of grace, we pray that you do give us your help as we not only need direct and constant intervention because of how big of a mess we are, but we also need um, a constant sense of your grace that humbles us and that makes us able to learn and to follow you. God, with your Holy Spirit, may you lead us as individuals, as households, as families, and as a church to be joyful and expectant and to celebrate as Peter and as the friends that he brought along to Caesarea and eventually as the Jews back in Jerusalem when they heard the whole story, as they all celebrated and gave thanks to you May we all have those kind of hearts filled with the gospel and ready to see you work. We may need some convincing. We may need direct intervention to get over a lot of the barriers that we've erected. Yet may we celebrate what you're, the work that you're about to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.